0: that's what she said that's what she said that's what she said that's what she said well that's
1: what she said welcome to that's what she said conversations with interesting people from the world of sports music comedy and more talking about their lives careers successes and failures
0: i'm mina kimes and my dilemma is i have the cutest smartest most charismatic dog in the world but he's not good with strangers, and yet everyone who sees him wants to pet him, and when I tell them no, they're really insulted.
1: Oh, well, I know plenty about dogs that can leave something to be desired when it comes to interacting with others. My little chonk, Banks, has been through several behaviorists and spent a month away at a training facility, and he still can't be trusted with pretty much anyone except for my husband and me. He wears a muzzle on walks or when we have people over because uh, even though he's, we like to say 98% awesome, The 2% screw loose is no bueno. And so like Lenny, he's goddamn adorable and everybody wants to hang out and snuggle him and it doesn't work out. He's got a a giant head and short legs and a little squeezable body, uh, which makes it really tough. There are some solutions, of course, for every day. Like if it's strangers who are trying to pet Lenny without asking, you can get him one of those bandanas that says do not pet or one of those vests that says don't touch. Or I know a muzzle looks scary, but it's actually better and safer for everyone if he's actually potentially going to bite people or other dogs to get one of those. If it's just friends who are bummed that they can't snuggle with the famous Lenny, you just got to go tough love on him. You just got to let him realize that like any other celebrity, you'll just have to watch and admire Lenny from afar. It's tough, but um, it's just like you know, me as your star continues to grow. I'll just have to accept that we'll be less and less friends and eventually I'll just be watching you on TV telling people about when I used to know you. The commission has spoken. This week's guest is Mina Kimes, senior writer for ESPN, host of the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny around the horn panelists. Also appears on the Levitard show with Stu highly questionable, high noon, sports center, outside the lines, and now a preseason color analyst for the LA Rams. She really does it all. Uh, We talked about her last visit to the pod and all the things that have changed since then, including our desire to use uh, Snapchat. Uh, I learned about the spreadsheets that she creates for every team to help prep for the football season. She talks about being honest with both herself and her viewers as she learns a new skill set for her first season calling games. And she talks about how the Rams' job came to her, plus finding that sort of right balance of being herself but also being the correct fit for the job. I really loved catching up with her. I think you guys are going to love it too. That's what she said. So happy to have Mina Kimes back on the podcast. Uh, Her jobs are similar, but she's added quite a few. You could still... Uh, you could see her on Around the Horn, Levitard Show with Stugatz, HQ, writing massive features for, uh, what was the mag dot com, uh, doing preseason play by play for the LA Rams, which is exciting. We're going to get into that a lot. Uh, Outside the Lines probably. What am I missing?
0: Uh, that's... That's pretty much it. I guess I I got to fill in on High Noon recently, which was a telephone. Oh yeah, it
1: was great uh, yeah.
0: in New York with Dominic Foxworth. But yeah, I, it, it's been a while. When was the last time I was on your show, Sarah?
1: Well, so I went and I did a little uh, walk back in time, and I'll tell you some of the things we were talking about, which are kind of funny. Oh boy. Um, of course, if people want to hear <laughs> Mina's like life story, like I always do on the pod, you can hear the first time she was on and talk about, you know, being a military brat and how she used to be in like financial and business writing and all that stuff, but. We talked about how we were trying to make ourselves use Snapchat because all the young people were doing it. <laughs> and that has kind of sailed. I don't think people really need to use Snapchat these days to prove anything. Uh, we were, you were just starting the morning roast. You had two, you were oh, two wow. shows in. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Which of course was that a was show with Nina ago. and Dominique and Clinton Yates. Uh, we were talking about Antonio Brown and how he took a video in the Steelers locker room during a post game. As the rest of his staff, teammates, coach, were talking about keeping everything in house ahead of their match, <laughs> uh, their, their matchup with the Patriots, and he decided to do that like full thirty minute periscope, and like yeah. like random dongs were in the background, and it was just like so Antonio Brown. Uh, so that feels appropriate that we're here. We are years Pleasant. later. Just yeah,
0: yes, um, I love that technology note by the way because that confirms my hope that you can just wait new technologies out. Right. We've we've covered Periscope
1: and Snapchat, and I don't think we really need either anymore. So, just just uh, wait it out. And also, I found it so endearing. You were talking about learning to be more assertive with your voice because you had just started with the radio stuff, and you, you know, you were trying to like listen to other people and figure out when to interject and how to have takes and whatever. And I don't feel like you struggle with that really at all anymore. Like you're, you've, you've blossomed right in front of us you've grown up <laughs> our, our little girls all grown up uh,
0: do men blossom or is it just women can can a can a young lad blossom hmm. interesting
1: i I'm feel like we that. discuss them more of like as like a root or like a tree
0: yes a although people flower. use it to people use also blossom in a kind <laughs> of talking
1: right, about. right like you went through uh, puberty yeah i think that happened well before or, we met you're right about um, that that might be creepy uh, sounding
0: you know um I, you know, it's definitely easier for me now, Sarah, but doing this, uh, in-game analysis, you know, it's like yet another thing where I, I do feel uncomfortable and I'm still learning how to do it, unfortunately, in a very public stage. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure you can, you can empathize with that because you're always doing new things yourself, even at ESPN, every time is like learning how to, I don't know, drive stick, which is something I can't do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, this podcast, since we did the first one, this is more of a follow-up on the new things you're getting into, and particularly that gig, because I really want to get a deep dive behind the scenes into starting something new like that and the process. What does your week of prep look like and all that other stuff? But what you just said is is really interesting to me, because it brings me back to when you started Around the Horn, and you would occasionally send me, like, a DM asking, like, how do you deal with X or Y? Or what do you do with X or Y? And I remember being like, this chick is, like, perfect from day one. Like, she's great at this. I don't know why she has any concerns about it. But I think we all, whether it's the logistics of a new show, like, where do I meet? What do I wear? What is the camera? What does the chair look like? All that. Or or just the concerns of a new audience. Like, there's always still some trepidation when you're when you're put into a brand new role.
0: I think... One of the things I've really valued talking to you and some of the other women in particular that we work with at ESPN over the years is dealing with criticism because it's a different, you know, our male colleagues get it too. And and I think sometimes that's forgotten, right? Like that they get horrible hate as well. But the tenor is different and we bring different sensitivities to it, for sure. And I've always, I you know, I'm sure looking back at, at our DMs when I first started doing this, I remember asking you a lot about because you always struck me as someone who was really brave and fearless, and uh, which are two adjectives I don't really used to describe myself or never have. And, um, you know, Stu Gatz would always say, only look at the compliments, um, (laughs) which I wish I could do that, but I can't. So I've always valued kind of talking to you about that. And, And it is funny to think just a few years ago when we had our last conversation, the things that bothered me then don't bother me. Right now I just kind of look past it, but new things bother me. I mean, I made a right. mistake during my last game of checking Twitter, which was a really stupid thing to do, and there was just <laughs> one thing that caught me and it was so stupid, but it gets into your, it still gets into your head, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and you're right. It, it's fascinating to look back and be like, oh, what was bothering me or what made me upset before? And now I'm so used to it that I don't even like recognize how effed up it is that it still happens. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, someone else has told me to die. Whatever. It's Tuesday. Um But then, yeah, there are new ways for people to sort of dig into whatever insecurities you might have about about the job or the things you're doing. Um But, yeah, one of the things that you talked about with being assigned new roles is – um Just learning sort of the patterns and the rhythms. And, uh, for me, the thing I worry about the most is logistics. It's not the content. I feel confident in the content. It's who are my producers? What time do I meet them? How do we actually shoot the show? Is it live? Is it taped? All that stuff. So when you were preparing to do this preseason play by play, you know, being in the booth for the Rams, take me through the biggest questions you had just about that stuff. Like, like whether it's schedule or, or, interaction in the yeah. booth or all that.
0: So I didn't know anything about the mechanics of doing it and was really surprised. Um, first of all, I thought there'd be like a dress rehearsal. that They're just like, okay, here we go. Here's game one. Um, which, you know, preseason is different from the regular season when there's a lot more, I think, uh, attention, obviously. Um, but so you kind of show up. So I kind of had to figure that out. And then generally, I think, I don't know, I thought there'd be it would be more technically advanced, right? Like, I, there's, so in the booth, there's, you've got your play by play guy, and then one or two color commentators, and there's a spotter who's telling the play by play guy, you know, what actually happened. Okay, here's the quarterback, here's the right receiver, and here's the guy who made the tackle. That's it. So I thought that, and you can look at it, but I, and it's all on paper, right? I thought, there'd be information on who's getting subbed in and like on a sub package and, you know, not just maybe who made the play, but like, what are the, other. I I don't know. I, I I guess I thought there'd be a lot of information at hand, but really it's, it's very old school. You have to make a card, which I made and Adam Amin, who, you know, in Chicago and does play by play for the bears preseason helped me. Um, and you're just writing your, the card is just sort of like a diagram of who's on the field and a little bit of facts and, you're just looking at that during the game and you're just watching the action and trying to figure out what's happening.
1: And that's way harder in the preseason because those who's on the field (laughs) and who's playing where is changing far more than when you start a regular game and you're going to have your starters out there as often as possible.
0: Oh, it's crazy. I mean, especially with the Rams who do not play any of their starters during the preseason, maybe one or two at most. Um, So you are even in the first quarter you are looking at backups and then obviously as the game goes on you're talking about undrafted linebackers who you know maybe were on the practice squad last year and i think that's the other been the other interesting challenge with this is so for my podcast and generally for all the shows i do we cover the nfl i on my podcast i cover it a little bit more in depth but it's still macro i'm i'm not a beat reporter i'm not going deep on a team. And so I've had to really immerse myself in this team and try to learn, uh, you know, the 90 players because there's just no way I would know most of them.
1: Yeah, so um, I had Beth uh, Moens on uh, recently and uh, she talked about the spotter and there was a stats person and then the people in the truck kind of that you work with. There was much more of a choreographed dance in there than I, than I had imagined. But kind of take me through the The people that you've worked with in those two games so far, and uh, and how you figure out your roles, and maybe how you've leaned on them in your first time. So
0: my play by play person is Andrew Siciliano, who people know from Red Zone, and you know and I used to work with NFL him
1: Network. at Fox Sports like thirteen, fourteen years ago.
0: Really? Wow. Yeah, he was. Okay, the, so he was I, the I
1: anchor for uh, a show called The Final Score that was on the Fox Sports mm-hmm. regional networks in three places throughout the night, and I would watch games, decide what the highlights were, and then write the anchors script for whatever my games were for those highlights. And he was one of our anchors. So I would be, uh, writing, writing up games that I watched for him to talk about.
0: So he is wonderful. He yeah, he's is fantastic. honestly like one of the hardest working people I've ever encountered, but also unbelievably kind and and helpful to every person on the broadcast, not just me and Nate, but everyone who works on it. And I mean, we were just in Hawaii and he, remembered people he had worked with 10 or five years ago. I mean, he's just a fantastic person. So, but as far as the broadcast goes, you know, we're talking throughout the week about storylines in the game, players. We want to talk about things we've noticed. Um, he like me is a prep freak. So we're rewatching the games that for the two teams involved. So this week, you know, obviously the Rams last week were there. We both rewatched it, caught some stuff we didn't notice. And then the Broncos um, watched our game against the Niners. Although, both Flacco and Locke won't be playing this week. Uh <laughs> get some Kevin Hogan action. But um, so we're talking and then in the game, you know, he's really just kind of platforming, like he calls out the play and sometimes he'll comment on it, but then he looks to Nate and I, and then we kinda of look at each other and there's just a half a second. It, it's a lot like sports radio, honestly, where you're deciding with a three man booth who's going to talk. Um right. and you kind of feel pretty easily easy or pretty quickly rather for the kinds of things you're discussing, right? Because Nate, as a former player, and the same was Maurice Jones-Drew, who filled in last week, is uh, bringing that perspective to what's going on. And it's not like a regular season game where you want to talk about the in-game action 90% of the time. Most of the time, (laughs) in preseason, like, that's not... I mean, in the first quarter, maybe, and and at some points during the game, if there's a big play or something interesting that happens. But, you know, if a third backup running back gets stuffed at the line of scrimmage we're not going to talk about the play we're one of us is going to talk about something else and so it's a lot of kind of verbal cues and looking at each other and giving each other opportunities to bring a point to the table that might be of interest to viewers
1: yeah and you know i've been calling you a play-by-play but you're actually color analyst because you know uh siciliano does the actual here's what just happened and then looks to the other two in the booth uh sometimes mjd uh and you and and What's interesting is not only to be a woman in a football booth of which there have been few, but to be the one who is giving color commentary, who's analyzing instead of just uh calling plays and setting up for that for that former player, which is what we usually see and hear. How do you get into the mindset of you know I'm sitting next to Maurice Jones Drew, but wait, I have something to add, right? Well,
0: yeah, it's a tough mindset, especially for me, because in the game, you know, first we've got like a little replay monitor. I'm not, I don't have that skill set where I, first of all, I'm certainly no Tony Romo, but I can't, not only can I not <laughs> see the future, I'm still learning how to identify what's going on in the game, right? And I'm not seeing that pulling guard. I'm not seeing, uh, you know... I don't know, some backup tight end releasing into the flat all the time. And he was wide open. And then when I rewatch the game, I see it all and it drives me nuts. Okay. But in the moment, (laughs) that's still a really new skill set to me and it drives me crazy. So what I'm trying to do is pick my spots where I do see it or you know, talk about the things that I do feel comfortable talking, which is the players themselves and what they mean to the roster and the team. Because if you're a Rams fan and you're watching this game, most of these players, you know, won't make a difference. The vast majority of them this year. But the fact that they're on the field and doing things does matter in the context not only of this season, but next season. And
1: that's sort of what I've tried to zero in on. Why do you think it is that you feel comfortable saying what you don't know? Because I think in this industry, there is a constant fear of being exposed, particularly as a woman, for not knowing everything. Even as people, if they're being remotely realistic, would understand that you can't know everything. There is a a, an always someone waiting with a gotcha. Um, Have you always been comfortable being able to acknowledge that you're still working on things or that things don't come to you right away? Or is that something you've acquired? Oh, yeah. No, (laughs) I've not always been comfortable.
0: (laughs) I think one thing I've learned, and and I'm sure you feel this way as well, is um, people respond better to honesty. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it you don't want to be on a show setting aside the game and say, I don't know, many times. But sometimes it's fine. And as long as it's paired with, well, here's what I do know, or, hey, here's a question. I think people can recognize... Inauthenticity or if you're trying to fake something, right? Pretty quickly. So it's better to just be transparent about the process. Um, you know, it, with the games now, I'm definitely not, I don't want to be on a broadcast saying, well, number 96, never heard of that guy. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> looks like he might have ran a stunt there. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm not going to try to, uh, you know, fake my way through it either.
1: Time for a quick break. And then more That's What She Said with Sarah Spain. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? If so, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBTQ matters, grief, self-esteem, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. Anything you share is confidential and it's so convenient. You can now get help at your own time and your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. If you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time with no additional charge. Best of all, it's really an affordable option. And for my listeners, you can get 10% off your first month with the discount code SPAIN. So why not get started today? Go to BetterHelp.com slash SPAIN. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. BetterHelp.com slash SPAIN.
0: That's what she said.
1: So when I talk to people like Adam Amin or uh, Jason Bonetti or others who are calling games as their primary gig, uh, one of the things that interests me is how they found their voice or how they decided who they wanted to be for the listener in conveying this game to them. It's very early for you. You're two in. Actually, I meant to ask, have you done any sort of other game calling of any sport at any time at any level? No. <laughs> right. I okay. have not. Jumping right in at the NFL. Yeah. Uh, no I mean, no at deal. home, being annoying <laughs> yeah, to people exactly. around me. Right. Maybe since I was um, young, but yeah, no. Yeah. So, you know, when I ask those people, are you trying to emulate someone that you enjoyed watching and their tenor or their rhythm or the way that they told the stories of the game? Are you just being 100% yourself? Are you very... Uh, critical and aware of the ways that your natural personality isn't what people want or are desiring during a game? Like, How much of that did you actually think of and how much was it just like, listen, I've already established myself in the industry and people know me, so just going to say what's in front of me?
0: Well, you know, I've tried to be myself in terms of not hiding excitement or genuine reactions to things, right? And by the way, I think that's what people like so much about Romo. It's not the knowledge. It's the fact that he truly actually loves watching
1: and which will end about you. I mean, watching Colorado. you react live to drafts and other things is just a thrill because you oh, might be falling you. and screaming and crying and
0: I love it. I mean, with <laughs> football, you know, I just love it. And, um, so I, I, that's something I haven't tried to hide, but then in rewatching this last game, you know, a lot of the verbal ticks that I bring to radio giggling at times when I find something funny or, um, kind of just I guess reacting to things. Those are things that I, I don't want to do as much just because not because I'm afraid to be myself, but because it's a different it's a different animal, right? I mean, you watch yeah. a broadcast for different things. And I think it's okay to kind of navigate that and figure out, okay, well, here's something I should do to be myself, um, but here's something I can change a little bit. And and those are things I've worked on in every new platform I've been on with TV or radio is figuring out exactly how to be myself, but also be the right version of myself for the medium.
1: Yeah. And I think, and maybe this is just from being more comfortable with myself, but it does feel like from when I started in radio forever ago to now, there is a bit more acceptance of people being okay with being who they are and not having to try to fit into whatever the stereotype of someone who's on sports radio or talking about sports is into. Um, that might again just be my own ability to just say F it. This is who I am. But I remember starting out always not wanting to say something that would immediately get skewered, whether it's like, yeah, I, I don't even know, eating kale or like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it felt like I had to talk about like crushing a steak and a couple beers and then scratching my balls or else I wasn't going to be welcome. <laughs> and, and I think, yeah, but I, but I huh. do think that calling an NFL game feels like a more, antiquated and stayed place just in terms of what people want for extracurriculars outside of just what's happening on the field
0: i think so and my version of that i i don't think i've ever felt pressure to be kind of a jockier version of myself or a bro version um but i have felt pressure to i guess be um maybe overly analytical, like, cause I thought, okay, well, I'm the smart one. So what I'm bringing to the table is, you know, nerd stuff and preparation. And what I've realized over time is actually, you know, I can have fun and loosen up. And, and Dan Levitard is one of the people who I think kind of helped me come to that realization a bit in the process of working with him. Because when I first started out doing a lot of audio, I was really, I, I didn't think that was something anyone wanted to hear.
1: Right. Oh, yeah. he's, it's funny. There's so many of us, I think, that can point to the ways that he makes you feel comfortable and free to be yourself and that you don't have to be one thing. You can be very smart, analytical Mina, who then, like seconds later, is giggling and, and reacting to something absurd. Yeah. Um. And that's, I think, tougher to do in some spaces, uh, per- particularly probably an NFL booth. It's uh, You have to at least figure out when it <laughs> makes sense and when it's appropriate. Um, exactly. You mentioned the card that you have. Um, I know you've spoken and I don't know if you were actually talking to me or on Levitard. I sometimes can't remember where I've heard you saying something, but about um like almost spreadsheets and books that you have to prep for NFL. Can you take me through? I, I want to know what those look like. And I also want to know if I should be making them for myself. Am I, am I way behind? Does everybody have a trapper keeper of NFL knowledge?
0: <laughs> well, so for the game, so for my normal, for my podcast, I think people will be shocked. I, I, I have just long files on Teams, and I'm collecting stuff throughout the week. And if I read something that's interesting to me, I'll put it in. I'm checking the PFF grades from the week, and yada yada. For the games, wait, how do you organize
1: those for your regular by team? But I mean, is it is it just bullet points? Is it news at the top and then depth charts and then? 'Cause I'm really gonna copy this. Yeah, I can tell you exactly
0: yeah. what I did. So I did a series of I did every division for my podcast during the summer and which was an awesome process to prepare for the season. But in doing so, uh every team has a file and it's organized by unit. So uh we'll actually, you know, I'll have like front seven, secondary, and so I'll put the notes that I'm taking into, you know, scheme or whatever, in, into position groups and then some general more general notes about the team itself and the coaching, and the scheme. And I find it really helpful to go back, especially for like quarterbacks. If we're going to talk about, let's say, Dak signs his contract, right? Um, I can go back and look at everything I've saved and written and thought about him in the quarterback section of my Cowboys file. <laughs> this Got is it. so dorky.
1: It's 100% so what different. I was like in college, and I haven't yeah. necessarily translated those habits to this because I haven't exactly known how and 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 exactly what format, but this is this is compelling. You- I'm already excited about the markers I can use.
0: <laughs> well, you have to talk about everything, though. I mean, it's so different. Yeah, it's and I you know, when I'm on horn, I do too. But like, you know, when we're generalists, you can't really take the same approach. Now, the the games are completely different because it. I think this is maybe what I said. I don't know if I said this on the but the prep I did. So I started talking to the Rams about doing this. I think at the beginning of the summer, maybe. And so I started, I got, I bought like a book on the Rams offense that I read. And I was like, great. I know the difference between mid zone and wide zone and Sean McVay's, you know, third down tendencies. None of that matters in the preseason. It was a total waste <laughs> of time because they're not doing any of it. So uh, <laughs> that was stupid. Studying the starters, not that relevant, uh, it turns out, in the Rams preseason. But I'm glad well, I Well, but
1: of course you're going to say something like, you know, he'll of course be a backup to fill in the blank but you know is going to try to fight for those extra yeah. you know de- filling down i mean you have to know that stuff obviously not with for sure as much Didn't interest need to read a book but, but they're yes. not going to be out there could've ever freaking down could just looked at the yard. chart yeah. exactly <laughs> but it's okay. fine it was a fun process so so yeah so how is it different for let like when you're the let's let's go back to first of all, i meant to ask you this is this something that you had dreamed of i know that you had by by going back to listen to our old pod, you started out wanting to be a music writer and then something about the arts and then you got into business and finance and investigating companies and then you wrote about your love for the Seahawks, which got you a job at, at, at ESPN and sort of worked your way in with those features. Now you've gone from this long form storyteller who can take the time. Whatever the topic is, to investigate to someone who's reacting in the moment to everything as a generalist, but with a specific focus on football, um, would you have even had a dream of calling a game? No, that's <laughs> not it's everyone not listening right I've now. Ever... That's only wanted to do that <laughs> is just so pissed. I'm sorry, <laughs>
0: uh, but but actually, I should uh, like elucidate a little bit. I've never at least since coming to ESPN I've never said this is exactly what I want to do and I'm working towards it I've actually kind of I mean I I don't want to say fallen into doing a lot of things because I think that is it sounds like unnecessarily self-deprecating or like oh silly me here I am on whatever
1: <laughs> but <Oopsie>. um
0: <laughs> it, it, yes it's not like that at all but I think um I have I'm not one of those people who had a 5 year plan you know what I mean and, and kind of right. I've considered new opportunities as they've come up and sort of pursued them in the short term, but it's, I've not had things that I've been hoping to do my entire life. Um, like my passion for football has been there my entire life. Um, but the, the idea, I didn't even think I would be working in sports, much less, um, talking about it and even further less talking about it on a TV broadcast. That's not something I ever thought I would do.
1: So how did this come about?
0: So I the last 2 years have moderated a panel on football analytics at the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. Um, and in that process I've met a bunch of people and one of them was Kevin Demoff who's the CEO of the Rams and in this last year you know we we, t- we end up talking a lot about like the drafts and they drafted a couple of Washington guys who I really like so I talked to him a little bit about that and it was his idea. He so uh it was last year the person in my spot was Peter Schrager, who's doing the Jets preseason broadcast this year. He lives in New York. So Kevin reached out to me and said, Hey, would you be interested in doing it this year?
1: I feel like the Rams are super woke. Like, well, I got a really beautiful, yeah. like I got an email from Les Snead a couple years ago. Cause he used to listen to the trifecta, the, the all female three person show we had on the weekends. And then he sent me this beautiful, like handwritten letter about my story on the chiefs coach. Um, and I feel like, I don't know. I feel like the Rams just are very open to women in sports positions that maybe you wouldn't expect for NFL front office folks.
0: I will say they are a very open minded and progressive organization in my experience with them. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, you do see that. I think they brought tons of female executives to the Super Bowl for the Advance committee. They have male cheerleaders. You remember that? Yeah. That's the Rams. Everybody's yeah, yeah. cool. Like it's, um, it, it, they definitely, and I think some of this ha- comes with being a, they're not a new team, but they really turned over a lot when they came to Los Angeles and hired mm. McVeigh, And, um, it's kind of a blank slate, right? I'm sure being in Los Angeles helps as well, but sometimes when you're not bound to traditions of the past, you can try different things.
1: Okay. So they come to you. Was there even a moment's hesitation of saying Yes. Yes. Uh <laughs> Kevin Longer than that. called me
0: and I was like, Oh wow, this is really flattering, but there's no way I can do this. Wow. And um yeah, and I and then I think I called my agent first and he was like, Well you have to do this and I was like, Yeah, but I'm gonna be terrible at it and I don't know how to do it I've never done it and um and then I I I just you know, I, I'm trying to get better at saying yes to things I don't feel 1,000% ready for, which I think doesn't come naturally to, not naturally, it's socialized, whatever, but <laughs> it's not something women do easily. Right. Yeah. Um, we like to, I don't want to generalize. I like to be really prepared for anything right. I say yes to. Mm-hmm. Um, but a bunch of people I spoke with said, "Convin," you know, helped me realize that even though I didn't feel 1,000% prepared, prepared, it was something I should still try to do anyways.
1: It's so important to do, and it's so hard to do, particularly, I think, for women, because if you mess up, you feel like um, people notice more and assume it's because you're a woman, yeah. not because everybody messes up. You feel like oh, you're bringing down women everywhere, like other people won't get that opportunity if you don't do a perfect job at it, which is so much pressure. Um, and then I think a lot of women that are in this business, at least in my experience, particularly based on like my podcast and people I've had on, are so high-achieving super ambitious like you know they graduated college in three years and got their master's in a year while being in the olympics simultaneously you know all this (laughs) other stuff that you know to do something without having spent as much time as they usually do is terrifying i mean i i think i told you i I was messaging you about that video game thing i played in and asking you whether i should use like a controller or a desk like a keyboard (laughs) because i literally spent like two hours researching this video game and like watching tutorials for no reason. Like, there was, no one was gonna yeah. care if I sucked at it, but I refused to say yes to something and then show up and suck. Cause I was like, I'll be yeah. such a stereotypical woman if I'm like, I don't play video games. Someone help. <laughs> um, and it was like, there's no reason for me to remotely give even a minute's time to it, but like, I can't not. Partly for yeah. fear of being a stereotype or for messing up because people then do say, Oh, well, I heard Mina Kimes do the Rams and she sucked. So I don't think any woman should ever do it again. Um, yeah, is that I, for sure over your head? At any point during this pro- process
0: yeah a thousand million percent yes um and gosh I, I i think we probably talked about it on your last podcast but before i did the morning roast the first show i did was first radio show i ever did was fantasy football and it was on sunday mornings and it was just like fantasy football advice and i would legit roll up with 60 pages of notes every sunday <laughs> and m- vast majority of which i did not use um And which I think it's tough. It's tough to navigate how much to prepare because I do think it's, it's really helpful and it's part of what makes us good at our jobs, right? That we prepare and uh, care a lot. And, but you also don't want to overdo it. And I think the situation often, and again, to bring it back to Levitard show, which you don't prepare for at all. Um, <laughs> you can do better things when you're relaxed and you're not feeling like you have to stick to a, you know, a set of facts or some information set of facts. You feel like you don't have to stick to a set of facts. If anything, Stu Gatz has imparted to you. Yeah, it's that. pretty much. Yes. Uh, but so it, it's a kind of, you have to balance that. And, and I do feel that pressure, but at the same, I think along those same lines, when you asked me about why did I agree to do that? Something that was in my head was, well, if I don't do this, is someone else going to, you know, I mean, it's still a pretty, there's so many great female beat reporters and hosts, but we just don't have that many analysts in the NFL space. Um, So that was something that occurred to me as well, that it was important to do it so that maybe other people would as well.
1: Yeah, it's super important. And, and it's, you have to sort of accept that burden and then try to crush it and, and open up some doors for other people. Um, all right. So you say yes. And where do you even start other than reading a full book for no reason? Yes. That was not helpful. That was really, really helpful. Um,
0: you're like, well, well first you let me I,
1: start with the history of the Rams. God.
0: So, uh, well, first I just kind of studied the 90 man. So that was just just really familiar. Right? Because like I said, they don't, there's no technology that shows you who's coming on and off the field. So if you're trying to figure out what's happening in real time, I need to know. Oh, 91 is Greg Gaines, who's knifing through the backfield. Um, and so getting familiarity with the roster and some of their stories and just kind of, you know, with the younger guys, where they went to college, what they're good at, all that stuff, just studying that. And then on a week to week basis, I kind of, this week, for example, going to the Broncos game, it's reviewing the last game, taking notes on what the various players did and didn't do and did well or struggled at, checking in on the roster. Again, this is preseason, so you're looking at roster spots constantly. So I'm looking at the Rams. I'm saying, wow, there's probably Two wide receiver spots max beyond the obvious starters on contract. So every week I'm kind of reviewing that and thinking through which of these, you know, 90 players have a shot at making this thing and why and what does it mean for the team. I'm also looking at the other team, and that's what I was doing today actually, um, studying Denver and studying because it's not talking about their starters, right? At this point, barely. It's week three, but it's week four for them, so we're not going to see a ton of them. And just really looking at some of those end-of-the-roster end battles, guys who actually might make a team and make a difference. And I do that by reading a lot of the local beat coverage over the last couple of weeks and trying to familiarize myself with them. Then I'm taking all of that information and trying to put it in digestible form so I have it on hand, updating the card that I mentioned to you, which has the ramps rostered with like new information, and printing it all out.
1: So then what were you most nervous about before the first game?
0: Sounding like an idiot.
1: Like making a mistake, like (laughs) being wrong or just not sounding capable or what?
0: I think, yeah, I don't, you know, it's weird. I've made a couple of factual errors, like just really, which everybody does. Um, And those don't matter as much, even though people let you have it. Like I think in the last game I said, Kellen Moore went, not Kellen Moore, um, Cooper Rush went to Boise State instead of, uh, Central Michigan and Kellen Moore went to Boise State. Uh, they're the Cowboys offensive coordinator this year. But that stuff I wasn't really worried about is more just about uh, saying, I guess, sounding tentative or unsure about things that were happening during the game.
1: Yeah. And there's no way to really prepare for that other than to do it.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, then, um, and then be tentative
1: then, or not and find out later. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's it's a long broadcast. So you will have to keep up your energy and confidence and enthusiasm, even when you feel like, oh, that last few minutes, my set of things, a few things that I'm not super thrilled
1: about. Did you call games at home to practice?
0: (laughs) No, but I did go back and watch the preseason from last year and thought about, sometimes I kind of hit pause and think, what would I say about this? And then listen to and i i found myself now doing that when i watch games when i been oh, like watching the rest of the pregame you were like here's
1: what i would have said and then you you unmute know what it, i'm just thinking, thinking really said. quick
0: actually cuz there's usually a, a half a second oh, okay. pause before the commentator weighs in and i'm always now thinking oh, okay like i was watching um that niners game cuz they were playing the broncos and that was on our network and i was just kind of thinking right before booger would jump in well here's what i think happened and then waiting to see what he said got
1: it how often did you say something similar I'm always very proud of myself when I say something and then the people on TV say it and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so smart. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of similar. Which is not thoughts. very often, as you can tell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No, it's a lot of, it, it is a lot of similar stuff. It, but the thing about preseason broadcasts is they're so varied. Um, you know, the, the approaches, it's, it's, it's an interesting mix of people too, cause you've got often like the local legend. Uh, our broadcast is a little bit more national than most. And again, that kind of speaks, I think, to the Rams and their approach. But um, with Nate, you know, he's not a Rams guy. I'm not a Rams person, and Andrew isn't either. So it, you, uh, with you uh, often with these broadcasts, you get guys who have just been around, who are around team all year.
1: We'll be right back with more That's What She Said with Sarah Spain. Hiring is challenging, but there's a place you can go where hiring simple, fast, and smart. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'm always talking about it. It's ZipRecruiter. It's a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. ZipRecruiter.com slash said is where you want to go. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over a 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. They use their powerful matching technology to scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and then invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash said. That's ziprecruiter.com slash S-A-I-D. ZipRecruiter.com said, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. That's what she said. So you're heading out to Hawaii for game two. What were the biggest things that you looked at after game one and thought, okay, I want to fix this or do this better?
0: Well, um, I have a lot after last week. I think going into Hawaii, um, I was thinking that I wanted to try to connect – things I was seeing on the field to what would happen in the regular season. And Hmm. because again, that's the challenge, right? With the preseason, because they're not starters. And so watching, okay, if this backup outside linebacker makes a play, gets a tackle for a loss, looks really good, looks really fast. What does that mean? Does it mean, A, is he going to make the team? What does the Rams' edge rush look like? What did it look like last year? Is it an area of weakness? What's it going to look like after next year? They've got Dante Fowler on a one-year contract. Are they going to extend him? So just kind of thinking through, watching a single play and thinking through everything that it means for the team.
1: Yeah, and that's the kind of thing that makes your broadcast particularly useful to fans, right? Not did that guy make that play, but did that guy who made that play play is he going to make the team and will he contribute in some way? Because it's much easier, obviously to analyze the game right in front of you. And it's more difficult to understand where they have positions of need and where the battles are are going. And is that stuff that you often have to have meetings with the coaches and find out?
0: Well, I would say that stuff's easier for me, right? For me that it's funny, like we all bring different skills. And for me, I'm still nervous about analyzing the game in front of me in the real, like I was saying earlier, it's a lot easier. The second time I watch it, um, And I think sort of looking at it from a more macro perspective is what we do right in our job. So that that's kind of our skill set. And so I, I think one thing my friend, our Michael jr. And I talk, I've talked a lot about this process because he calls college games and he has always said, you know, be yourself, think about what you do. Great. And bring that. And I've really, I'm I'm trying to get better at that rather than trying to be something I'm not. Um, and and yes, to answer your question, we, so we have calls with uh, coach McVeigh, uh, before the game and we get to kind of ask him about some of those topics, the roster battles, what's he seeing out of these backups and back, you know, it, it matters to him. So for example, uh the Rams ostensible starting inside linebacker went out with an injury last game and he's out indefinitely for the season. And that's going to be a huge issue for them is figuring out who's going to replace him and, that's something we're going to really focus on in this coming game. And, and on Friday, we'll get to talk to Coach McVeigh and I'll certainly be asking him a lot about all the various candidates.
1: Yeah, so that's a big part of the job. I did a very small amount of sideline reporting, and you get a chance to sit down with the coaches and ask them, what are they focusing on and who are they watching and where are the position battles and stuff? How have you found those meetings with McVeigh and others on the Rams in terms of prepping for the, for the work?
0: It's been really fun because as a writer, I don't, we don't have that kind of access, right? It's, yeah, it, it's an, a, a very cool opportunity. And I'll say this about McVeigh is, he is really straightforward. Like if you ask him something, he'll answer it. Right. Um, and perhaps, especially in this format where it's not for like an article, maybe that makes it also easier because, uh, you know, it's just about kind of information and being prepared and being knowledgeable. Right. And he wants us to say the right things about the players as well. Um, but I, I've he, he is an extremely personable guy. And I think, you know, you, you hear that you talk about people talk about him being a good manager and sort of beyond his years, not only as an offensive mastermind, but also as a leader. And I think that's something it's been interesting to witness firsthand.
1: So you mentioned that after Hawaii and heading into this week's game, you had more and different things to work on. What were those? I'm trying to laugh less. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Which I, 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 you know, I don't mind doing that on the radio and on my show or whatever, but it it, kind of bothered me when I was watching this last game. So uh, I'm going to do that, I think. And then um, I want to actually, you know, I, I think a lot about macro trends in the NFL and NFL offenses and defenses and play calling. And I, as I was watching it, I noticed a lot of things in the game that I regret not using those opportunities to talk about those bigger issues that I think about with the NFL. So I'm going to look for some spots to do that as well.
1: You're obviously working on teams, actual broadcast teams that are super welcoming and and great and helpful. Uh, You mentioned friends that you've talked to like Gojo and others who've done this, who were helpful in, in kind of giving you tips uh, the Rams head, you know, uh, up, upper front office people are welcoming you in to be a part of their team. Is there any pushback from anywhere, whether it's coaches, players, anywhere, where you have felt like this hasn't been an easy process? Certainly not internally, I think. Well, internally with me, there's
0: been pushback, but I think certainly not with the team. <laughs> your own you brain. know, it's just... Yeah, no, it's it's just always kind of that same external noise sometimes that you see. And, you know, it's the thing. It's You guys all know, like, it's a thing where nine people will say something nice, but the 10th person says something right. critical. And of course, that's the only thing you focus on and you wonder if it's true. And then it kind of gets into your brain a little bit. Um, But no, otherwise, every, everybody's been extremely cool about it. I mean, I was... Wh- when they announced it, I, I didn't know they asked me to just do a little video. I didn't know a lot of people would watch it and (laughs) they did. And the reaction was so kind. It was overwhelming. I mean, the support of our colleagues has been overwhelming as well. Um, and yeah, that, I mean, it's just, but that also builds that sense of pressure that we talked about earlier. Like, wow, if right. you're being so nice and so kind, <laughs> I cannot disappoint them. It's not just about not disappointing women kinds. Like, I want to, you know, show all these people who were supportive of me that they were right to be so.
1: Um, yeah. And, and I think that support obviously comes from, you know, proof of all the work that you've done elsewhere on the company and what a great job you've done. People feel like, oh, Ma- Mina's going to be great for this. Um, do you feel after having done it twice now that it makes it easier if something else were to come up that was outside your comfort zone for you to say yes more easily? Is this helping you get past maybe the general trepidation about new things?
0: I think so. I think um, definitely it would make it easier for me to say yes to this type of thing too in the future once you've done something, right? Um, but yeah, I, I, I it's still hard for me. I mean, even after, even recently, there's been things that have come up and I've still questioned my own ability to do them, but, um, it's not so much the affirmation or the results that I'm pleased with when it comes to this project and the fact that I said yes to it, but the process itself has been such an incredible learning experience. And if I hadn't said yes, I wouldn't have gotten that. And so I'm there's only so many chances you get to learn this kind of thing and learn it quickly and be thrown into the fire. And it's something I, I wouldn't trade for the world.
1: I know you mentioned that you don't have a plan, but does this change how you see your future or what you might want to do?
0: No, not really. I
1: mean, it's going to keep falling into success. <laughs> uh,
0: no, you <laughs> know, um, no, I, I do not have, I do not. I'm not the next Tony Romo. I know that. Um, but you know, I I I think it it's shown me that I can do something, or at least learn to do something, and have the opportunity to get better at doing something that even a, four months ago I wouldn't have dreamed of. Um And will that hopefully maybe impact decisions down the road? Sure, but I don't know.
1: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Keep your options open. You know why yeah, limit I yourself? By-
0: <laughs> I'm just not good at it. I don't
1: know. I'm not great with, uh, goals either. I'm better at just put something in front of me and I'll do a good job. Exactly.
0: Yes. Yeah. I, I, I work good in crisis. Like as much as I kind of wanted a dress rehearsal for this whole thing, I, I, I didn't mind the fact that they just were like, all right, game's in an hour. What? You know, <laughs> 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 I kind of, I kind of work well that way. So
1: yeah. Do you have anything else to announce that you're, that you're working on? Do you have features coming out? Do you have other impressive jobs that you're about to launch that we don't know about oh, yet? Boy um
0: well i have a, a podcast episode this week that i'm excited about with greg rosenthal from the nfl network who is just really awesome and then next oh. week i am reunited with my longtime friend bill barnwell so I think oh, that's nice. something i'm excited yes. about. yes
1: awesome well we'll lenny. make sure to check those out on the Mina kheim show featuring lenny featuring lenny with lenny
0: featuring lenny yeah.
1: starring lenny Lenny show really, featuring Mina Kimes.
0: That's what everyone says to me. And oh, by the way, one last thing. So this week for the first time, so usually Lenny gets a question in his voice. Yes. This yeah. week for the first time, I did not do the voice. Whoa. And but the why? blowback is mounting. I just yeah, don't want to do it anymore. I just don't want to do it. It's just embarrassing. Oh, is your
1: big time now? Oh, I'm sorry. Because you call NFL games. You can't do a dog <laughs> voice. Wow. You've you changed. Sound like, you, really, you sound you like really one changed. of Lenny's
0: fans. You sound like I, I've been accused of silencing I am of my own fans. dogs.
1: one of yeah. I know. I know. Wow.
0: Well, I guess. But uh, we'll see how it goes. You're a
1: different person now, Mina.
0: <laughs> we'll all have to
1: adjust. Uh, thanks for coming on. This was really fascinating. I loved getting kind of a, a deep dive into how you're doing it and, uh, will be more fun to, to watch and see you thrive and do such a great job now that I have a little more insight to what's going on behind the scenes. Thanks for having me. Can't wait to see your binder. And if anyone wants to hear, oh, my God, I am getting. I want to get a Trapper Keeper because I just missed them. And this seems like a perfect opportunity <laughs> for that. Um, Lisa
0: Frank stickers on it.
1: Oh, for sure. And all the color coded markers like I used to color code all my notes in college. I <laughs> was such a nerd. Um, <laughs> Mina Kimes already did the uh, Spanish Inquisition back the first time she was on. You're welcome to go back and find it. I'm going to retweet that podcast for anyone who missed it the first time. Uh, and spoiler alert, the person she wanted to change lives with for a day at the time was Aaron Rodgers oh my god of anyone in the world (laughs) what yeah
0: that's so weird so that's obviously before i did my story on him yeah exactly
1: which i found fascinating that you eventually got to you know your stalking was complete when you got to have him over to your house and do a deep (laughs) deep dig into his life um yeah anyway thanks mina bye that's what she said Hey, if you like this show, you might like my nightly radio show, Spain & Company. If you can't catch it live, listen to select segments posted to the Twitter feed at Spain & Company on Twitter. It's time once again for South Bitch Sessions, where I rant about something that bothers me, and I fix it. This week, inconsiderate jackholes at baseball games. Last Wednesday, I had a rare night off to go to the Cubs game, and my husband and I left our seats to grab a quick snack and use the restroom. I left a half-full bottle of water and a half a beer at my seat. And when we got back, there were two rapscallions in their mid-20s sitting in our seats who begrudgingly, with attitude, moved down a row when they clearly weren't using their tickets. They were just sitting wherever they could find space, which, fine, not a big deal, except that they'd shoved their trash into my beer and kicked my water bottle so that it rolled down several rows and I couldn't get it anymore. And when I pointed out to one of the two aforementioned turds, he said, sorry, with an attitude didn't bother to buy me another beer, didn't apologize with any sincerity, just two garbage humans who sat in our seats and ruined our overpriced concessions. Add to that that the woman in front of me unknowingly was perpetrating my all-time biggest pet peeve. Her hair was hovering just inches above my beer and threatening to touch the top of my leg at all times. I have mentioned this before. In fact, one day if I snap, it's probably going to be about this. I hate it when strangers' hair touches me in any way. So, yeah, I mean, she probably didn't realize it, and I guess the space behind her seat slash head is sort of like a toss-up as both her space and mine. But those two other guys have no excuse. All right, I feel good about what we accomplished today. Don't sit in other people's seats, destroy their overpriced craft beer, kick their overpriced water bottles, and then have zero shame and zero remorse about it and not offer to replace either item. And also try not to dip your hair in someone's beer if possible. There, I fixed it. Be sure to check out another great podcast in the Levitard and Friends podcast network, Marty Smith's America. Download and subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and join the Marty party. If you've got a dilemma for me to fix, tweet it to me at Sarah Spain or go to the iTunes or podcast app, subscribe, rate, and review to That's What She Said with Sarah Spain and leave a dilemma in your review. I might just fix it in a future podcast. Thanks, as always, for lasting about an hour with me.
0: That's what she said.